Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty physical and mental well-being i hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests we're on all major streaming platforms so please sit back relax and enjoy I got the mighty and legendary Andrew from Popular Liberty on today. Um, He's a guy that I have um, grown to tremendously respect and um, really appreciate his view and take on things. Um, I'm sure as with most libertarians, we were kind of scratching our heads at this whole post-libertarian moment, but um, I I think I might be one of the only guys that kind of said, well, let's, let's hear them out because after 2020, if you aren't questioning your basic libertarian assumptions, then I think you might be stuck in, you know, La La Land and, you know, in Ancapistan <laughs> rather than in reality. So, uh, Andrew, quick, give a uh, introduction to yourself and kind of how you got to where you're at now. Oh, that's not a short story. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, uh, my introduction to libertarianism was actually through John Stossel. Yeah, not Ron Paul, because okay. I'm a little I'm a little young. So mm-hmm. that's like I was kind of in like early high school when Ron Paul was doing his thing, you know, peace be upon him. He's a great guy, but he was not my original influence. And I was initially drawn to it because, you know, I saw, you know, how logical and consistent it it was. And, you know, and over time I, you know, began to, uh, you know, I always had a, a Christian background and that was like where it came from was that, you know, I, it like, this is logical and consistent. The God I worship is logical and, and consistent. And, you know, and these ideas really dovetail well with how I was raised as a Roman Catholic. And, you know, and, and, you know, over, you know, over the past, you know, five years since I became like, yeah, five years ago, I became an ANCAP. And, you know, and I've been, you know, you know, slowly harmonizing 
all of the uh, idiosyncrasies of both the, you know you know my roman catholicism and my uh and my you know anarcho-capitalism and i came away with like okay the ancap model does not work and but the but the ideas and the philosophy behind it are pretty good and there's a lot there that needs to be salvaged and brought into a more a a framework that is a lot more consistent with reality Mm -hmm. and one of those major, uh, you know, contributions is like the Yarkotropism framework, which is, you know, my version of economics that, okay, this is, you know, you, you did really, really well on the uh, free market side of the economics equation of how does a market work without a state? And okay, except that we, and, but if you're going to call this a science, okay, well, why does it not reflect, why does reality not reflect your science? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's, that's a, a just a, a, a obviously logical question every Austrian should be asking mm-hmm. and they, they don't want to do that. And right. so that, and the reason is okay, because the state is not a part, you know, it, it's, the state is not separate from economics. It is economics. <laughs> it's just a, a non-free market kind of economics. And so, okay, well, we need to understand this. We need to, uh, you know, start really, uh, you know, going into the, the praxeology of why this thing works the way it does. And this was my, like my, my, you know, was uh, my first major contribution was, okay, we need a consistent, uh, you know, a theory of Austrian economics that actually reflects both the free market and the state, because, you know, it's like, it's like they, they want to say that, okay, you know, Bob Murphy is like an economist and yeah, he, he is, but you know, it's always Genghis Khan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty brutal comparison. (laughs) That's it. You know, it's like I I tend to prefer the Bob Murphy to the Genghis, but you know, it's like I can't not notice that you know they're both using this, you know, the uh, this value maximizing behavior. It's just uh, you know, one is a positive some sort version of value maximization that would be the the Bob Murphy kind, and the (laughs) other is a zero sum, which is the Genghis Khan. In case that wasn't clear. It's like both of them exist. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and we need to be you know kind of clear-eyed about about this that the state is not like opposed to economics. This thing is economics, right. and yeah, and this is like where I started to you know make people very very unhappy because now you're starting to burst a lot of bubbles and a lot of the ways they say reality can work just is just not true. It, I, a lot of libertarian dogma just from uh, just an Austrian economics point of view is just not true it's just uh, uh, there there's austrian economics which is like definitely true and then above it there's like libertarian dogmas there are you know conclusions of austrian economics but it's in conclusions of an incomplete version so wherever there is an incomplete uh part uh, that's where they got it wrong and that's where i've started to have to like step on you know step on some tails so to speak right so um you kind of, I guess the post-libertarian moment kind of arose, to me, it seemed like late 2020 because all the stuff we were dealing with and a lot of people yeah. kind of had the moment of, oh shit. So just sitting here and screaming that this isn't mm-hmm. consistent and these people are hypocrites doesn't yeah. seem to do anything because eventually you find out, well, these people don't care about that, right? They care about power. They care about, they care about maintaining their empire. So how do we address this because once again just you cut out through like all of that you know you you just cut through all of that where you were like uh uh oh shoot i forgot where you were no that's all right um just kind of 
people, it seems like in 2020, people kind of figured out that just saying these people aren't being consistent is not rolling back the state. So we need to find solutions. Um, And I kind of was one of these people there for a little bit, but then honestly, Tho Bishop, uh, you, Matt, and uh, some of the other guys in this kind of post-libertarian GOP kind of sphere had kind of broke my brain a little bit and kind of made me second guess my assumptions and kind of have to Mm -hmm. rearrange the way I think about things. So I've been very open-minded to you guys. And it seems like a lot of libertarians, when you shake the golden tree of the nap (laughs) and the proper libertarian dogma, then a lot of apples fall out. And those apples are pretty pissed off. They're being shook out of the tree, but I feel like it was a tree that needed to be shook and that um, those apples had to come down to reality and figure out, okay, Mm -hmm. well, if we believe all this stuff, how do we get there? We can't just sit here and re on Twitter and re on podcasts. We have to actually go out and do something. And it seems like you have kind of proposed a solution that some people like and some people don't like. It's not, and it's not a lot of uh, this stuff. It's not even like original to us. You know, it's like, you know, we, we can like cite Rothbard. We can cite Hoppe. We can cite Mises saying a lot of the same stuff. Right. And and they just like nah, 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 I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And yeah, and you know, and what you know, what it's come down to is like the it really is not it's not just that the uh you know that it happened in 2020, it's the reason why it happened in 2020. Because if you go back to like the uh like the Ron Paul era, which was like 2008 to 2012, a lot the the people who are who are you know who are libertarians now most of them were like in college or very young adults at the time mm-hmm. so fast forward about eight years and you know the or yeah about eight years and what you get is okay they're about eight years older they're in their like late tw- you know their late 20s to early 30s now and this is where our, you know we got our, basically our entire base of support for like you know pete matt me our entire base of support they're not the younger guys. They're the older guys. And because they've been around long enough to notice a few things that a lot of the libertarian dogmas that, you know, Pete and you know Matt and I all take shots at, they actually need to be shot at because they don't work at all. Right. And so it's not simply that, you know, 2020 was just a clusterfuck of a year. It was also that there's a lot of guys, you know, that I that I had just been talking to for a long time. And they were and they were all like having the same exact viewpoints at the same time because we're all you know aging at the same time. We're all coming of that age. And I've noticed, you know, distinctly, you know, we, we've all noticed it that the people who are our biggest detractors by and large are young. They are by and large much younger. They're like you know, early 20s or teens. And that is just like these people have not been around long enough to notice that, okay, yeah, just because you've reasoned it out in your head doesn't mean it actually works that way. And, and it doesn't mean the value structure is actually that way doesn't mean human nature actually works that way. And they haven't lived long enough to understand that like, hey, this like blank slateism, tabula rasa, this individualism, all that stuff does not work at all this is completely counterproductive to everything you want you say you want and you know the, and so you know when when we're having the this like we're calling it the post libertarian moment now the post libertarian moment happens you know kind of in your mid to late 20s and this is what yeah and this is by the way this is not new this is this has been around for quite a while this is why people start off you know young people start off a little more to the left and they, they just have a very idealistic view of reality. 
And then as they, you know, because again, they've reasoned it all out and the reasoning makes sense. And that's just not how it worked. This is like the brilliance of the scientific method the Catholic Church invented 800 years ago was that, hey, you know, we're actually going to check our results. Can you imagine that, like this yeah. idea that, okay, we're going to have our first principles, we're going to have our, our hypothesis and our theory, and then we're going to test it, we're going to, then we're actually going to design experiments around it and test it against reality to see if it's true. And lo and behold, a lot of the stuff just isn't true. Like if you look at like Aristotle, you know, like, the, you know, he was a really, you know, really big Greek philosopher. Uh, he had a whole th- thing of physics, you know, a whole book of physics at, where he had reasoned out you know, a priori, just a priori reasoning from the law of causation all the way through how does a rock move, you know, et cetera. You know, it was f- based on just first principles logic. It was ex- perfectly logically consistent, except that it didn't work at all. And this is just completely garbage physics. <laughs> and so, and the Catholic church was like, well, maybe we should just like test it and, you know, test our first principles, test our theories to see if they're, if they are corresponding to reality. And it seems like we've kind of gone backwards a little bit, at least as, as libertarians, where we started to reject the idea that we actually should test our hypotheses and see if they're correct. We should test our dogmas and subject them to, to actual real world uh, tests. And turns out they don't, a lot of them are just wrong because, you know, guess what? You, you know, the, the problem that the risk of a first principles only uh, morality is that your first principles are either wrong or incomplete and incomplete is much more likely because there's a universe of principles out there that, and how do you know you got all of them? You need to have all of them to be right. And, you know, and so if you're just starting with I, and myself, Mm, that might be that might not be correct that might might not be a good starting point mm-hmm. and the uh and so like and when you, you you've grown up you start to you know you're less idealistic and because you started to notice the things that do not work and you started to and really when you start to having kids and you start having a wife particularly things need to work you know it's like you can't just say honey well i you, i lost i know i lost my job but i was per- perfectly principled that's not going to work you know, it's like in your value and you know it and your values change because of that, because all of a sudden that, you know, making things work, making civilization last, you know, making sure that your kid is not being like told to cut his balls off. That really matters all of a sudden when you start to get older. And so that the, uh, and they realize this, and this is why a lot, you know, there is a, as much as we like to say, there's like a libertarian to all right pipeline. What there really is, is a libertarian to conservative pipeline. You know, just like straight up boomer con conservative. You know, it's like a lot of those people, they started off as like, you know, li- libertarians and Rothbardians and all that. And, you know, and they kept a lot of this, you know, their same beliefs, but a lot of them, they're just like, okay, a lot of that social stuff just does not work. You know, even if you're like right about morally correct or logically correct, I don't think they're morally correct. I think they're logically correct, you know, correct from their, you know, within their worldview. But, you know, as far as reality is, the rest of reality is concerned, they're just like in la la land. Like, this is not how humans work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I really like that you dug into the uh, social thing there because that seems to be absent, even amongst, I want to say, like more right leaning people. So, like the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus, right? Um, although I'm somewhat of an activist in there, um, mm-hmm. they don't address culture that much and they kind of abstain from kind of going there. But really, I think that's perhaps one of the more important things because if you don't have strong families, right? and you're not capable of being responsible for your own actions, 
then what does freedom look like down the line if you don't have respect for you know basic bottle or you know your own property rights right or respect mm-hmm. for your family or you know res- being responsible for yourself um if you're not willing to do that then how are you going to tolerate you know this full freedom that you think you're owed because you know you're a libertarian and this is what your first principles lead you to well if you don't have once again a correct social order that basically ensures that this can be achieved yeah. then that's not going to be sustainable so that's why i harp on you know i used to kind of reject this whole right-wing thing but the more and more i've heard you know guys like you um mckenzie from mm-hmm. uh you know kenzie puff she got the hoppy and uh, yeah um when i heard everybody saying right wing i'm like well it depends on how you define right wing because most people are going to think right wing and they're going to think like george bush charlie kirk ben shapiro well you just laid out as um left wing being egalitarianism mm-hmm. and right wing being respect hierarchy. hierarchy hierarchy um then i'm you know i'm in agreement i would consider myself right wing yeah. that way because obviously there's a hierarchy of values and there's a hierarchy of just people in general because there's going to be certain mm-hmm. things that you're good at that your wife's not good at and there's certain things that your wife's good at that you're not good at um and we respect those hierarchies because we understand that we all have abilities as individuals but though we all contribute to you know a somewhat of a collective right you know if you're the father then you have certain fatherly duties the mother has certainly mother motherly duties mm-hmm. and you both take care of your family unit which is considered a collective yeah and uh it's it really seems like that you know with the again like in the mises caucus you know the lp mises caucus hi I, i'm the founder of the gop mises caucus and uh you know just want to put that out there but in the lp mises caucus it seems like a lot of them are kind of like like in that former boat where there are a lot of younger guys yes. and this and this is why they seem to think to have this idealism to them and this is also why i'm confident that i need to stick around because those guys are going to grow up <laughs> and and i'll be here waiting and the uh, and uh, and having made that same message this entire time, I know it's going to wear on them because you can't not see it as you grow up. And the uh, or unless um, maybe unless you're in the LP, I mean, th- those guys are it, 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 Rothbard didn't call it the world's biggest outpatient clinic, you know, for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. And it is like, hey, like you, you're avoiding these cultural issues because you think they're just distractions. And I and I was set, trying to make the point to them the other day that these are not the distractions. These are the front line in the war for liberty. And mm-hmm. that's what, you know, that's what they haven't quite been. They're not old enough to realize it yet that, oh, these are not, you know, like these uh, cultural issues. Yes, the, the, the state has a benefit in it that it keeps us fighting with each other instead of them. But there's also the benefit that every time they win, what that the left wins one of these cultural issues, they get more powerful. Yeah, you know, the state gets more powerful because of this you know, process. I you know I talked about called archotropism. Okay, yeah, go it, ahead and lay that out a little bit. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, yeah. Well, but you know why you know like why is it that the state has an incentive to seed chaos? You know, and we notice this all over the place. The reason is that at, an essential. Okay, the most essential biological function of any kind of life is to push out chaos and and keep energy in and order it. Basically, you're you are uh, the essential function of life is to apply force to chaos to get order. That is the most essential. It, you die if you do not do this on a, on a cellular level, you know, down the, the even like the smallest bacteriums all do this. So, what is the state doing? 
This is the same exact biological process. You apply force to chaos in order to in order to get power. Basically, this is you know they get power. This is their power. This is how they derive their power. That that they have an incentive, therefore, to seed chaos for that. Because if they say if they promise to, they're like, hey, if you allow us to use the force, if you allow us to, you give us power. You know, we will put down the chaos, you know, and give you and, and restore order for you. The problem is there it's a fraud, you know, so they still get the power, but they never give it back and they never give you the order. Mm-hmm. And the and therefore that, you know, it's just a continuous cycle of, you know, chaos, power, order, chaos, power, order, chaos, power, order, except you don't really get the order. It's you get you get defrauded over and over and over again so and be, and again this is down to like the biological level where humans are programmed to do this you know we are still by you know we're not unicellular life but we are humans and we can consciously choose this so anytime chaos breaks out you know and by the way that's that you know that's not just a panic that's anything down to like oh you, you had a child out of wedlock that's chaos you know, at, that demands that power be used against it to, in order to uh, in order to restore order. So it's like you know, like you know, like and you see this, like okay, how 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 does this work in the you know the uh, child out of wedlock situation? Well, usually usually what happens is okay, you have the state will go after the dad and say, hey, you you, you need to uh, pay them child support. Yes, and also they we're going to go after all of the other taxpayers and give the mother welfare, et cetera, et cetera. And so, the, and they will promise to restore order to to help the uh, to help the needy, to help whatever, help to to uh, to restore order to the chaos. All you have to do is give them power. And what do they do? They always make it worse because that's their incentive. So when you are looking at these cultural issues, one side wants chaos, the other side wants order. The right is the one that wants order, and the and the left is trying to see, and the left is here trying to help the state perpetrate the fraud. You know, it's like you need to look at every single culture, cultural war issue through it, that the left is team state. The right is team anti-state. They're team liberty, because if you apply the order, the power goes away. The power that, you know, you no longer need it. And so the uh, so if you, you know, when you're avoiding these cultural issues, what you're really saying is, I don't want to fight the war at the front line. These are this is the you know like the like what's going on with like kids in you know like being propagandized with like sexual propaganda in schools, like this you know it's not just that this is an aggression, it's that this is an attempt for them to seed chaos and seed mental illness later in life for these people, and that mental illness that chaos is going to to demand power be used against it, which is a another opportunity for the state to perpetrate its fraud and continue its fraud on the American people and, you know, gain more power. So anytime there's chaos, you need to be anytime the left is trying to win a cultural battle, you need to be looking at this as they're helping the state become more powerful every time, no exceptions. Yeah, and you definitely see that within public schools because what do they do? They teach them to be victims. And when you're a victim, it's essentially a chaotic situation, right? You're a victim of chaos and circumstance. So therefore, you need someone to come rein this in and give it order, right? Which is mm-hmm. going to be the big daddy government that's going to rein in whatever situation it is. But once again, like you said, it's defrauded constantly. So you look I mean, like- look at the Austrian business business cycle where hey, the, the Fed prints money. And they juice up the economy, the crash comes, and what do they do? We need a lot more juice, and you need to give us more power so we can bail out our banker buddies. And right. and then you go like, oh, when COVID happened, what happened? You know, you had a, a 
mother of all panics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you ha- and then what you what did you get? The mother of all power grabs. And, yes. and, and but <laughs> but first, you know, it's like, oh my God, there's a deadly disease coming. Quick, bail out the bankers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that was their first thing, is, yeah. is that they they recognized that nobody was paying attention, everyone's panicking. This is a chance to, you know, shovel some money to their buddies. Mm-hmm. And you know, of course, and what do they do? You know, it's like, okay, now we're gonna have lockdowns and we're gonna have and uh, everyone's gonna lose their job. We're gonna cut the the global GDP in half. <laughs> and what and then we're going to uh give you like a twelve hundred dollar check. Which is basically minimum wage. That was how they calculated it. Is that you know forty you know forty hours multiply that by a minimum wage, and you get roughly you know roughly twelve hundred. That was where that money came. That was where that came from. Right. They and gave us minimum wage. You know they they bought us off for minimum wage. That was how they did that. It's literally like the dollar and the commercials on the fishing rod. It's yep. just enough to kind of get you by a little bit. But though it's once again, it keeps you running back to that order. So you're asking for it at this point. Yeah. And it incentivizes both sides. It's literally like a perfect storm because they're going to say, look, we're going to be. We need to give the state more power so they can save us, you know, right. so they can restore order so they can put down the chaos. This is how they defraud. I mean, this is the exact mechanism that is biologic. Again, we're biologically programmed to do this. So there's no getting rid of it. You know, there's no getting rid of this mechanism. It's never going away. This is an essential biological function that you're seeing played out on a human scale and on the scale of human civilization. This is not going away. And uh, there is no possibility of that. So let's just dispense with that, with that, and look at the at, the, at these cultural issues the proper way from the right wing point of view that we need to restore order and chaos demands to be put down with force. So when the, when you see the left, you know, doing their culture war thing, you need to be thinking to yourself as a libertarian: How do I apply force to these people? Right, you know, in order to put down the chaos. We're, we're constantly because that's what gets to- you liberty. We're constantly trying to play defense. And even a lot of the Republicans in kind of government right now kind of do this, where the left does not care for rules, right? They will go for the jugular every single time. And then mm-hmm. while the right's sitting there bleeding out and holding their neck, they're saying, but you just, you know, you didn't follow. This is unprincipled. Right. This is unprincipled. <laughs> we, we can't, you know, what are we supposed to do? Disobey our principles? Well, eventually you got to say, well, if this isn't working, then eventually we got to go on offense. And mm-hmm. it, it may not be perfectly libertarian, but you know, at what point do you say? No, it really should be justify the ends. It really should be perfectly principled because it's like you, you've noticed that this is a fraud that they perpetrate every time. We know how they do it, and that you know, and you you see them setting up for the fraud, and you and you should see this as they're initiating aggression, like even under the non-aggression principle. You know, which is, uh, you know, I, I have such a poor opinion of it, not because of what it says, but because of, you know, how people apply it, how libertarians particularly apply it. They neuter themselves uh, with it. Yeah, it's like, it's like they use it as a straitjacket when really it, this should be like, all right, they just like they violate it. Now take the gloves off. You know, it's like I, I, it's like I've been ready to take, to take the gloves off with, of, of them since like 2018, 2019. And, you know, it, I mean, it took until 2020 for a lot of other people to be like, all right, time to take the gloves off. But, you know, now we've got a substantial number of, you know, defectors from the LPMC and uh, and just right wingers in general who are like, we're ready to take the gloves off with the, with the left. You know, we're, we're done. You know, we don't we don't care about, you know, our libertarian principles or our conservative principles, because I mean, conservative principle, conservatives like Mitt Romney have their exact, you know, it's like, no, they, they have their analogs in the libertarian movement as well, because libertarians are right wingers, according to my framework. 
mm-hmm. that I mean, you have exactly you have the you know, I mean, the equivalent of like a Mitt Romney who was like, our conservative principles must never be violated. You know, like we have those same exact people. I'm not going to name names like, you know, Ace, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, who, you know, in our movement that, you know, want to use our, our principles as a straitjacket because of, you know, logical consistency or principled virtue or whatever. It's like, I don't regard that as moral. I do not, you know, because, you know, again, as a Roman Catholic, you know, I, I believe that, you know, consequences play a part in morality. It's not a consequentialist you know, viewpoint it is that you first principles are important. So are, so are consequences. Virtually everyone throughout time has agreed with that is like near is really just radical libertarians and radical moderate conservatives, radical moderates who are really not conservative. They're leftists who are you know designed to subvert the right. Like these are the only people who say nope. First principles only. If you get a bad, if you get a bad consequence, that's fine. You know, like that's that's moral. I'm like, no, no, that is not moral at all. That is that is completely unjust because the idea is, I you know, I build my system through you know through first principles. Yes, but when those are violated, now that steps out of that into justice, and justice can reapply order. Right. Yeah. You know, so- Good. I mean, you can you can think of I mean in the or in the chaos power order uh, dynamic, you can think of that as you know sin demands justice to restore love, you know because I mean that you know the or the that uh, you know that there was a crime demands punishment to restore order, and you know and the and the, the goal of justice is to restore order, and that's how you know you know that this was just and how or, or was unjust. That's also how you measure. You know, what is a just what is a more just solution than a less just solution? Because a more just solution restores more order than a less just solution, and that's is it gives you an a an a pretty objective me- measurement. Well, it, not quite. You know, you, you don't quite have a metric for it, but you can qualify it. Right? I can say order looks like this. This get you know this solution is closer. It gets us closer to order through its result. Then it's uh, you know then another one, and this is where this is where I can say this is the most just solution to whatever crime is uh, has been uh, perpetrated, because crime is chaos. Right. So one thing that kind of stood with me, I remember I think you and Pete were talking about something, and this was kind of when Pete was first I think kind of walking into the post libertarian moment, and uh, he said you know I don't know what we're doing other than just sitting here being right. And I pondered that for quite a while, and I came to realize that people who are voting libertarian, and I have for the last two election cycles, but um, you look at it, and it's like a no-lose situation for the libertarian, right? Because you could say, mm-hmm. well, look, I didn't vote for any of this. If you if you all would have just voted for Joe Jorgensen, then we wouldn't be in this situation. But you know that not everybody's going to vote for her, so you don't win, but you can claim the moral high ground without actually having to put any skin in the game because yeah. you know it's never going to happen, but you can just say, oh, yeah, well, I stuck to my principles and I you know, swiped yeah. L all the way down the ticket. And in Catholicism, yeah. we call that the, card- the cardinal vice of sloth, you know, laziness. Yeah, it, that we call that sloth. That's where that yeah you know, we and we would call that chaos. That's mm-hmm. how you know. And again, this is if you you if you're coming in with a Christian framework, things make a lot more sense a lot more quickly, particularly when it comes to libertarianism. Sure, that's interesting that you go to religion because yeah. I I consider myself an agnostic theist mm-hmm. um I kind of err on the side mm-hmm. that there probably is a God, yeah. but it's not something I really think about all that much mm-hmm. and. 
kind of when I start talking about religion, I feel more inclined to be a believer, you know, but it's not something that I if dig you up keep on going lot. down this rabbit hole, you're going to end up probably <laughs> Catholic or Orthodox, one of the sure. two, well, because I, I, this, this is where it all comes from. Is these are only they're only like uh, there's only a handful of like religions out there that really make sense of reality. And Christianity is at the top of that list. And, you know, or and, uh, you know, Catholicism is, you know, kind of the the, the uh, 800 pound gorilla in that in that respect. And then you have a, a uh, you know, the, like the next biggest, uh, you know, by you know, smaller by a fat about a factor of six is orthodoxy. And it was like, you're going to end up one of the two, because these are the only two fully comprehensive frameworks for understanding reality. And if you keep digging, you're going to end up back there the same way I did, because it's like, hey, monarcho-capitalism is kind of just the political, you know, as I call it, you know, instead of anarcho-capitalism, monarcho-capitalism, it's functional, they're functionally identical, except for a few minor tweaks. But, uh, you know, if you, if you if you go down like that route, this is basically just the, the Catholic version of uh, of of libertarianism, whereas like libertarianism is, uh, you know, default Protestant. Austrian economics and all that. This is all default Protestant. There's, it descends directly from the Protestant tradition, and here's the uh, and the uh, monarcho-capitalism or whatever you know whatever you know this post-libertarian thing is. These are these are attempts at forming the the Catholic equivalent of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you, so yeah if you, if you know you're, you're seeing this stuff right now as I and you're trying to make sense of it. I'm going to tell I'm going to give you the answer right now. It's like the answers are like over there. <laughs> it's like, you need to go, it's like, you need to keep digging deeper, go back, go back in time. You don't go, just go back to 1776. You need to go back to the reformation. You need to go back prior to the reformation and you need to go back all the way to like the first century AD. And then you need to go all the way back to like 6,000 BC and then back to like 12,900 BC. And you start to make, and, and by, and the further you go back in time, the more the Catholic, the, the Catholic, the Christian and the Catholic particularly point of view really, really makes sense because I, but, and you can, you can really tell quickly who's, you know, who's familiar with human history and who isn't by their, uh, by, by their opinion of human nature. And you see that how, you know, how incredibly delicate and fragile human civilization is because of that, that right. human nature is not this is not good at all <laughs> and uh, you know and so and and so how you develop how you get from barbarianism absolute barbarianism you know to uh, you know to where we are today talking all over zoom like this is extraordinarily difficult right uh, and uh, like this is a like full this is like a walk on uh, a someone's walking on water miracle they get you know is I, I mean like if you rewind to like you know ancient rome and and you tell people in the future that you're going to be able to communicate at the speed of light across vast distances and we're going to have you know if you start describing civilization like this today they would sooner believe that you know uh, that the son of that god became man and walked on water right <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like no it's a, it, and that he was resurrected from the dead that is a far more believable you know that you know uh you know story then you know that then that human civilization is going to be end up like this because we believe in the guy who like walked on water and all that it's like that it's like, uh, like that single belief that you know ca carries through and builds all of human civilization human civilization great book uh i do not oh yes i do 
how the Catholic Church built Western civilization by Tom Woods. This is an excellent book because it gets you back, takes you all the way back to like the first few centuries of, of like where we were as a civilization and how utterly screwed we were. Mm. <laughs> and then the Catholic Church comes along and basically builds this thing from the ground up. Like when we started, you know, it was like both sides. You can have like Romans and barbarians, you know, and both sides agree that mass murderer is like the most noble, uh, you know, you know, uh, uh, occupation you can aspire to, you know. And I was like, like general and warmonger and a warrior. Both sides agreed that was the apex. <laughs> like that's the best kind of person you can be as a mass murderer, and that's where we started. We got in, we've had some major improvements, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. we don't quite believe that anymore. We're like, no, now, now it's like a CEO of a company or something like that. Like major, major improvements. <laughs> and, right. and by the way, like the, where we were, we had been there for hundreds of thousands of years. Like that had been unchanged. So the idea that, that, that we're going to make, you know, changes that you get one institution that changes all of human history. It's like, I want to know everything about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, cause clearly that made that, that worked really, really well. And then when, you know, you get to like the reformation and, you know, you get Protestantism start to, starts to take over, you know, like, and things start to degenerate again. And we start moving backwards. We start, we start moving forwards at a much slower pace, but eventually we start around the 20th century, we start moving backwards. And this, and so it's like, for me, I would want to know everything about that. Like, however we got here, I would love to know everything about the institution that did that, did that. because, you know, it's like they clearly had, they were on to something. And so if I'm going to be, fit, you know, looking at, you know, where we're going, you know, and, and figure out how do we, how do we uh, stop the damage? How do we stop the bleeding? You know, how do we stop losing our liberty? I'd want to understand the source of the problem first. And that might not be a modern problem. It might go back centuries and it does. Right. And, you know, we kind of see this even like the health and fitness space where a lot of people mm -hmm. kind of want to, you know, your high cholesterol isn't from lack of a statin, right? This is from underlying health issues, but we'll pre prescribe you a statin. We'll and call then, it fiat food. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, we can, you know, fix the economy by lowering interest rates a little bit more and by throwing everybody money and bailing out bankers. Mm -hmm. We can fix your health by giving you a statin. We can do all these different things that kind of tape over the actual damage, but we're not saying, hey, you actually need to lose some weight and eat some real food, or you need to let interest rates go up so that way people start spending like drunken sailors and let bad debt default. Um, that's more the root of the problem rather than just, you know, saying, okay, well, let's push it straight slower and tape over what's ugly. Yeah. And, and you can think of that in your mental health too, that if you, if you are uh, like, if all you do is go into debt, you know, you don't save money. It's like, you're going to have crippling anxiety all throughout your life because your <laughs> life is, your life is controlled by that debt now. It's and chaos. It's chaos. And by the way, it demands order. It demands power to be applied to it. To you know, And you see this, this is the whole, they have multiple fronts on this fraud mm -hmm. <laughs> that they're perpetrating on the, on the, the common people. And when you, and when you start viewing reality this, this way, it is like, it, it only leads one direction. You go, you want to you know, go all the way back to the source of that problem mm -hmm. because, you know, and, and then, well, yeah, you carry it. Yeah. You carry that all forward. And what you get is, okay, I need to like actually start doing, living a healthy lifestyle. Why? Because this is actually goes back to the Christian idea of love that you, you know, you, you love your neighbor as yourself. 
which means that you actually have to do good to your neighbor and do good to yourself and do good to yourself at the same. And by the way, this is that what the, the one statement that underlies all of capitalism that I trade value for value and create more value. That's love your neighbor as yourself in one statement that, well, you know, that, that, because this is, this is in fact what, you know, in, in the Christian uh, context of you know, what we believe love actually is, is that it actually produces more of itself. It is self-propagating that way, that way that, you know, you, you exchange good, you do good to other people. They do good to you and you, and you actually end up with more good than you started with. It's not a zero sum. It's a positive sum game that, you know, that, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. So if you are, if you are a, a self, you are not, you are a soul, you are not a body, you are a soul. You need to be doing good to your body. So your body can go come back and do good to your soul. This is, you know, this because your physical health and your mental health are connected. You can't just say, oh, I, I, you know, I have really low self-esteem and that has nothing to do with the fact that I weigh 300 pounds. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, and, and, that, and it's, it's not just the, it's not that it goes one direction. It goes both dire directions. Like you love yourself, you know, by actually doing good things to yourself, not feeding yourself fiat food, not taking, not, you know, going way into debt on, on fiat currency, you know, and you know, say, you know, buying hard, hard currency, buying assets. You do this, you know, by, you know, you know, actually getting married or not just, and not late either early <laughs> because you get to have a roommate that you get along really, really well with, with and you, know, and you like, like love, you know, I, I mean, it, this, and you have two incomes that, you know, actually make your standard of living go up. This is such a basic thing that I don't understand why this isn't taught that you need to get married in order to get, to get wealthy. Because think about it. It's like, why would you have to, if you, if you're paying for your rent all by yourself, you're not saving any money. You're not, you're, you're going to have to go into debt. You're staying poor. You're staying anxious. That anxiety filters down, gets you fat. And which, you know, <laughs> which is a never a ending cycle. Right. It is a never ending cycle. And if you just, you know, get married, that gets all of that out of the way. You have that emotional support. You know, you have that physical support as, as well. You have that financial support as well. So it's so like, why would you wait until like after college? Why would you wait until you're right. 30 to, you know, get your life to get together. And why would you wait? Uh, you know, it's like, it's like, I have all of these, uh, I have this, you know, crippling anxiety, this financial stress, and I want to wait to apply the one solution that takes care of all of it until I've taken care of, uh, taken care of all of it by myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that makes no sense. It's completely counter, you know, counter law, you know, counter to all logic and all reason. But this is what our society, this is what our, you know, chaos driven society teaches us, because this is what we get from the government schools. This is that, that wisdom of man, you know, quote unquote, that is actually quite foolish and folly. Mm -hmm. It's full of folly. Right. So this and, is why, you know, again, because the state wants a chaos, it wants chaos because that's what gives it power and people are divided. You know, that's, that's easy. You know, it's easier for them to, to, uh, to rule over us when we're divided, when we're united. Well, it's a, you know, it, like now we're a tribe that can oppose them. Mm -hmm. So I like that you brought up Tom Woods because he's in what people would say is more of a social conservative. And I really, really yeah. like that a lot more libertarians are kind of coming around to this. And you kind of mentioned it as well. But um, I tell everybody that I'm a socially conservative libertarian, right? Mm -hmm. Because I, I see these leftist leaning people who are overweight and, you know, it's free love for everybody. and I'm like, I don't want anything to do with pink you. hair, cut their dicks off, you know, all that stuff. Right. It doesn't work. And yeah. The, yeah, it's, it's no way like with like the trannies and all that. It's like, it's no wonder that, that they, you know, get to around 30 
you know, again, like around our age, and then they commit suicide as a four, at a 40% rate, because now they've, re- they've woken up and they've realized that, oh, I've made a horrible mistake and, and I'm never going to be able to get, to get married. I'm never going to be able to find love. No one's going to love me. I'm going to die alone. And I can, and, and worse is that even if all of that is true, you know, even if, even if I somehow managed against all odds to, you know, find love because who wants to go through life alone? That's a horrible pain. Right. Yeah. You know, even if they manage to do that, they can't procreate. They cannot create life with someone that they love. Well, we're like, built for that. You say, I mean, yeah, it's the highest biological imperative and, <laughs> you know, it's like to reproduce, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's like second only to, you know, have more, you know, to push chaos out and, and keep order in. Like mm-hmm. that's the, is that, like that, you know, to eschew entropy is the number one is like the number one view of a thing of life that you're supposed to do with life. Part of that is, you know, reproducing, but like that reproductive impulse is like second only to like get rid of entropy, <laughs> get rid of chaos. And you know, and now you've said that not only get that, that because you've taken so much chaos into yourself, you've sterilized yourself, you no longer can be productive. You know, lot you know, and the, by the way, that's something again going back to that Christian view of love and that idea of hey, I trade value for value and produce more value. You know, I trade my love for you know for my wife for my wife's love, and guess what? We created a life, and our son's going to be born in three months ish, <laughs> and because that's and that's order, that's new life, that's love. And this is what we're supposed to be doing as humans. And now if, if, if you've done something, to your, you've made a grave mistake that, you know, because people encouraged you and they affirmed you and all that. And really you found out that all the people who, who you thought loved you lied to you and all of the people who could possibly, who could have possibly really truly loved you for who you are. Now they no longer can be, and you can't produce anything with them, even if they did. What's left, what's left for you in life? Well, that's that's why you get a forty. Per, that's why you get a forty percent suicide rate for like trannies and all that, right. and 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 this is like the I see this as like the apotheosis of everything wrong with liberalism. Everything wrong with the left, it, you know, it is culminated in this like transgender stuff, and this trans and transhumanism as well, because all all this does is create absolutely mentally ill people who are never. Go, you know, who they like their best thing, they their best hope for them is just to end the pain. Like that's it. These are people who are going to go through through life alone. And yeah, you know, while I would wish that on my worst enemies, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's like it's like they did it to themselves. That's the worst part of it. Is like the right didn't do this to them. Like they did it to themselves. And the right, but the people they hated, the people they thought were trying to like oppress them and keep them down and all that. And, you know, they weren't being affirming and all that. These are the people who were trying to help them and they thought they were the enemy. And, and like, it's like, I get, I get it. I get why there's a 40% suicide rate there, you know, right around that time where they start waking up to reality. And like, nobody loves them. None of them ever did. They all lie, all the people they thought loved them lied to them. So that wasn't love because love has to be based on truth. And, you know, and all the people who could potentially love them are just like, not anymore. Right. There's no hope. So it, it's, uh, it's kind of funny that you mentioned right around our age, because I'm 27 and you're how old again? 29. Okay. So yeah, you're a couple of years older than me, but um, women kind of around this age start to, you know, as they say, have their biological clocks start ticking because mm-hmm. they 
they really want to have kids because they realize that time's kind of running out, right? You're, you know, yep. women are most sexually attractive when they're in their lower 20s. So what do they do normally, at least in today's day and age, they tend to kind of whore around. And I, it sounds like shit, mm -hmm. but it is shitty because you're using your yep. youth, which is your greatest resource as a woman when you're younger to, you know, you should be using that to attract the best man that you could possibly get. So that way you can live a good life later on. And I was arguing with somebody about this mm -hmm. the other day, because she said, oh, well, um, we should leave the Civil Rights Act alone. So that way pregnant women can't get fired, because if they're still able to do the job, then who cares? Well, what you don't understand is that if you're a pregnant woman, then you are now a liability to a company, because now you you're mm -hmm. going to be an employee that's going to be off for an extended period of time. And if they're willing to hire you and pay for you to be off for that time, that's great. But uh, no business should have to do that. So it's damn, you know, you should make damn sure that whichever man you're letting mm -hmm. between your legs knock you up is a good man and he's going to take care of you. Once again, I plan yep. to have kids with my fiance and you better damn well bet that I'm going to be a responsible father when that time comes. Oh, yeah. So once again, if you are going to lay with another person and have a kid with this person, you better damn well vet that fucking person before you let them knock you up. I don't understand how that's like hard to understand. Well, and it's not just that. It's like, how, how do you like, how do you, uh, you know, objectively prove that this was a decent person? Not, not like you can't like, you know, it's not like pure proof. Nothing perfectly works, but yeah. how could you like know for a fact, okay, this isn't one of the really shitty ones. It's like, okay, so I, I can at least eliminate like the bottom 40%. That, that you know and say that this guy whoever he is he's definitely at least in the like the top 60 percent. what would you do say i uh, like all right i want to see a ring on the finger first right <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, like it's some yeah. kind of promise well it's, it's like now we have a contract and <laughs> now you know by the way this female chastity it is a diminishing vast asset is an asset that diminishes in value across time no matter what and it also diminishes in with every single use and because this is another thing that they've been able to do through by you know in the uh, biological sciences is prove that hey the pair the female pair bonding mechanism yes humans have pair bonding mechanisms mm -hmm. for women it only works like the first like five or six times yes you know, or at least for the first like for, first like three or four guys and then it's basically null and you have right. no more you have no more ability to pair bond nobody and, talks about this and yeah. there's a lot of science to back this up too if oh, you yeah. look up stats on it once women get over about like five people the divorce mm -hmm. rates uh, non-linearly continues to go up oh yeah no it's exponential and mm -hmm. the same thing does not exist in, in men it, right. it, you know it, it's not nearly the same you know whereas uh you know you we do have it for when we have kids and we're bonding with them right. so by like the the third or fourth kid ah you know he, he's the redhead i don't care <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that, that it's like, like, yeah, okay, by the fourth or fifth kid, you know, that's that's where it's going to get the men with the men and like just not going to care anymore. But, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like we don't, when we're, uh, you know, copulating with women, we don't have that same thing. So this is why men can kind of whore around and women can't. So, right. yeah, it's, it, it, is it something of a biological double standard? Yeah, but we didn't choose it. This is our biology. And so right. when you're, when you are a woman and this is, yeah, like, yeah, you have, a real hardcore biological incentive you should be obeying to gatekeep, you know, real quick, you know, real close. <laughs> it's like nobody can really force you to gatekeep, but you really, really ought to because now you're just giving it, you're giving away the goods for free. As right. it's, like, it's like, this is, I mean, you, and you need to look at this as like a multi million dollar asset. Because, exactly. Yes. Yeah. 
I mean, even if you're like a kind of a so-so woman and you, and uh, you know, you don't have to put yourself in that category. You're still looking at like higher, like high eights, 800,000, low $900,000 asset that your, you know, chastity is worth. Well, it's economics. Yeah, it's economics. And, and so, you know, Hey, the law of diminishing marginal utility, the more owners that something that a, even like a house has had before it, or a car has had before it, or a pair of shoes has had before it, you know, that really goes down, you know, the, the more, uh, the more uh, users it's had before rather that, you know, based on its pristine condition, if you are like a top supermodel where you're really hot, you need to be looking at that as like a, a, an upper, a, you know, upper eight, lower nine, <laughs> you know, let, let, you know, figure asset that you are, that you are diminishing in value. It's like, you know, every single time you need to be thinking to yourself and you can just use those curves and say parabolically, okay, what's that parabonding mechanism worth? <laughs> you know, after like the fourth, fourth or fifth one, a whole lot less than it was before. Right. Like it, that could, that could have been easily, uh, okay, because again, like it, think about like from a billionaire man's perspective, what's your number one threat to your assets? <laughs> Divorce. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's why they, that's why they don't want. They really don't want a woman with an imp- a fully impaired pair bonding mechanism. Well, look, they want yeah, that. So look at like Jeff Bezos, right? Yep. Who became <laughs> who became one of the richest women in the world? His ex wife. Exactly. No, the <laughs> single richest woman in the world yeah. because of that. Exactly. <laughs> it's like this is the number one threat. So if you want to just you know if you want to you know get your money's worth, you know. The, it turns out the Catholics and the Christians who are saying that you should like wait till marriage and have abstinence and all that really great advice. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, and, uh, and granted you, and you should be really, really you know, thorough in that. And perhaps you should like take your parents' advice when they say that's a good man. And that one's not. Right. <laughs> and when they say that that guy's an asshole, he's just going to knock you up and leave you take their advice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they've and, been and, around the block. They right. know it. And it's, it's, economics and it's chaos right so oh. when you have this kind of free love eventually that kind of comes back to bite you in the ass and we have now social conventions essentially from the left that make women feel good oh you're a single mom you go girl right you're a great woman slay queen any man you know mm-hmm. he's not the dad that stepped in he's a dad who stepped up right he's not or no, he's not the stepdad yeah. he's a dad who stepped up there's so many different social conventions set up to make women feel good to and affirm even make the lie. men feel good right and make men feel good about stepping up to take care of another man's child. When really, if you're a man, you need to be doing all that you can to become the best man possible. So that way you can attract a good yeah. woman. And then, you, you know, you can invest in that asset and you can have a successful family, oh, yeah. right? Because women are looking for top tier men or men that can ascend the, do- or the dominance hierarchy, right? It's hierarchical, mm-hmm. it's right wing. So they're looking for a man who's very top of the hierarchy or has a capability and if you're not that guy, then you need to focus on becoming that guy before you go trying to get the million dollar asset or else you get into your thirties and forties and then you're settled. You have to sack up. With and men are long. appreciating assets, which is, you know, which is like, Bingo. again, women are dep- depreciating assets because theirs is basic their asset, their net worth, really their value and on the, you know, sex market really is just based off of their, you know, their, you know, their chastity and their beauty. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be that way, but it is. Right. And the uh, also personality that makes a big difference too, yeah. because I can, if I if I can, if I can look at you nice, but I can't li- listen to you speak, you know, forget it. <laughs> but, the ability to bear children too, yeah, 
yeah, because I have to raise like I have to raise a family with you, you know, or else why am I doing all of this? Men, on the other hand, this is why we get a a real difference in age where th- women tend to like older men is they can you know have that ability to pay more, <laughs> and there know, was and, the dominance hierarchy. Well, it's and it's not just that; is that all, you know when you see this in in uh, you know you, you you've probably noticed this at twenty seven that all of like the best men and the best women they got married in their early 20s. So in other words, all of, no, all of the best assets got off the market early. The best assets get get picked first. So yep. if you're waiting until 30 to really settle down, you're getting like the second hands. You're, yeah. you're, you're getting a much lower quality to choose from. And you're so no you, longer top of the market. Yup. And so, and, uh, we're, and, uh, this does not work out well for you. So you, and, uh, and it only works for so, and again, it's like, as a man, you need to be married like 27, 28. This is a, this is like, you really need to be like making this a number one priority for you right around this age. And for women, it, that, that age really needs to be like 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair, but it is what it is. Because, you know, because this is, you know, this is when you're going to get the best bang for your buck. Exactly. And see, no one in Libertarian ever talks about this. And this nope. is kind of more important than political stuff, because how can you affect this the leads to the world? political stuff? As we've established exactly. through archotropism, this is what leads to the political stuff. You know, yeah. The battles, you know, it's like when you're when you're fighting it in Congress, you are at the very last, you are at the end of the process. And at that point, it's basically a given. You have no more control over it anymore because you let it get there. Instead of fighting the battle you know, on the front line of the culture war where it needed to be fought 30 years ago, it's like, it's like now you've gotten, now it's gotten to the point where it's a political problem that requires force. And there's no good way around. And by the way, and now there's no good answer because you let, you let the problem fester. You let the problem grow, and now there's no and now there's no good solution. You are you have have two choices, evil and less evil, and your your basically your choices are more damage and damage control. It's yeah. like there's there's no like prosperity here. There's a uh, I'm sorry if that's a black pill for you. There is no good option. Like you're you're and uh, this is why I'm part of the GOP. I'm not voting for. I'm not saying yeah, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, it's like no, not, not that guy. It's like you know Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, you know, yeah. and uh, Matt Gates and Tho Bishop, and you know who hopefully will run. I'm hoping, <laughs> but uh, you know it, the like these are the sorts of people that I you know. I, you know, as a GOP member, I want to support why because they hold the Mitch McConnell's to the fi- you know feet to the fire. It's right. like I expect it's like, and it's like you know, when every, everyone's like, oh, you like supporting warmongers and death fantasies and all that. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> it's like I don't, you know, it's like I don't care about the McConnell's. I regard them as like the enemy because you know, they, like if I if I ignore them, they're going to yeah. I know for a fact they're going to do something bad. It's like and whereas. If, if I have even just someone that, you know, to, as a point of comparison, like a Thomas Massey or a Rand Paul, all they do, their main value is to be a point of comparison. You know, it's ditto Marjorie Taylor Greene, ditto Laura Mobert, you know, and all of the uh, Matt Gates. their primary value is that, you know, Amer- now Americans can look at their, at their own right wing GOP guys and say, why do you suck so much? 
ditto DeSantis. You know, this like all it takes is one good governor. All it takes is one good Ron Paul to as a point of comparison to where people say, you know, it didn't have to be this way. <laughs> you know, it's like, why can't you be more like this, you know, DeSantis? You know, why, you know, and like and Abbott got, you know, got this really badly where it's like, why are you always like three weeks to like three to five weeks behind DeSantis? It's like, right. why <laughs> this is embarrassing. We're Texas. You know, why, you know, why can't you be better? We're supposed and, to be as America as America gets. Exactly. And, you know, and like, you know, ditto all of the other, you know, 23 right wing tri- trifectas, you know, it's like having one DeSantis changes the entire game because now everybody has to be, you know, be- better because there's a point of comparison. That's why, you know, it, it, it's a very, very asymmetric value prospect to where all we have to do is really get like one Anthony Sabatini in, in there. And all of a sudden he can turn the entire uh, state legislature of Florida on its head because he's there as a point of comparison and he's there to actually so yeah by the way yeah he's from my home district (laughs) yeah yeah where i was born he and i are three are we're born uh, and raised about three years apart and five about 10 miles apart three years and 10 miles apart never knew each other (laughs) but that you know but i'm like wow you know you know lake county florida really produced two two really hardcore radicals great job lake county (laughs) nice hell yeah so So, I'm kind of glad you brought it back to Ron Paul because, you know, people wouldn't initially think of him as right wing because he's very anti-war, right? Because, you know, back then it was he's like, right oh, wing. Right. He, but that's what I'm getting at is that he is, he embodies right wing because look, he's been married to his wife for what, like 60 years? Yeah. And he had like five kids and one of them turned out to be one of the best senators in history. Yeah. <laughs> he embodies what's good right wing promoting order. hierarchy promoting order that's right wing exactly so uh dude we've been going back and forth for about an hour now um i want to be i can go for another time. 20 minutes if you want i'm gonna get ahead to bed but um we right, will no have yeah we will have to do this again this was an awesome conversation i got a few questions i asked my guests before we get off mm-hmm. andrew what does liberty look like to you a liberty is the ability to choose, to choose the good without fear of uh, of punishment, or or really without fear of constraint. The ability to choose the good, because if you're if you're definitionally if you are choosing the you know, the bad, you're choosing the chaos. You will lose your liberty. So there, you know, <laughs> definitionally, there is no liberty in libertinism. There is no liberty in license. You know, and these are things that are definitionally destructive to liberty because of archotropism. So, you know, it's like, like when you say like, okay, like we have that four quadrant view of, you know, it's like, okay, authoritarian on top, right and left and libertarian on the bottom, really everything but like the bottom right corner is not compatible with, you know, liberty. And yeah. actually, if you want to do it is that, you know, the, okay, if you're starting on the chaos left, which is where we are now, it's like, what you need to do is first apply force so you need to be top right not bottom right you know bottom right is the result of applying top right <laughs> you know so when you're you know applying monarchy you're applying you know which means something different to me than it does to other people we won't get into that today but the uh when you're applying force to chaos you get order that's how you get to the bottom right which is which is the only you know compatible it is the only quadrant that is actually compatible with you know right wing ron paul liberty the others that yeah all that other stuff all that all that uh, left wing left wing liberty is a contradiction in terms it does not exist it is a fraud and this is how the left again helps the state at the top perpetrate the fraud that let you know they you know those left those left libertarians 
they're they're state allies. Mm -hmm. Wow. Even yeah. if they don't want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I totally see it because what do you see with Reason and Cato? Yep. Honestly justifying the regime. Um, all right, so the other question, then we'll do plugs. Uh, what does health look like to you? Ooh, that's a much better question. <laughs> health looks like, you know, to me, like this is the way your body is supposed to work. You know, that it looks like I have muscle mass. I have low fat, you know, I, I have youth it's, I have function. That would be the number one thing is I would say, you know, I would call it function because your, your age is not a number. Your age is a, is a, is in function because you can be a, like my grandfather is 93 and extremely sharp, extreme, you know, he, he drives himself around. He lives independently and he's very, you know, very mentally there. Yeah, you know, and he's you know, he's not slowing down. He, he's slowing down a little bit, but not, you know, not really. And his health is great. And the uh, and the yeah. You know, whereas you have other people who at like seventy seven are just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and they you know, and you have like Joe Biden who looks like yeah. You know, I mean, he's eighty, Decrepit. but he yeah, he's. I mean, he looks like he's like on death's doorstep. I don't know what they're giving him. I mean, that adrenochrome is really like it must really work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, and. Uh, but they, you know, that he looks like he's a hundred. Yeah. He's 80. He looks oh, like yeah. he's hundred. My grandfather, he looks like he's, he looks about 90, but you know, he's, he has the health of some of most people in their seventies, because I would say health is function, not, not, not a number, not, it's not so much form as it is function. So it's, you know, if you want to have function, you know, that's why again, I, oh, it's perfect. The Phoenix Protocol by August Dunning, you know, the dry fasting and rap for rapid healing and radical life extension, because they've done a whole lot of, uh, you know, studies on, on dry fasting, particularly, and they've shown how this can actually restore a lot of lost functionality and physically make your DNA younger. Like you can actually do a, a DNA test before and after a dry fast, you know, a grant, and you can show how your DNA is actually genetically younger after the fast. And so you, and you actually will get like your sense of smell back and stuff like that. If you're older, you know, because of dry fasting. And so when I say, you know, so health really, and this is like a point that they make in the book repeatedly, you know, when they're going to the sciences that, you know, you know, a, you know, age and health really is function, not a number. So, because you can have function, basically function, not functional and not immortality, but very, you know, high life extension by extending the functional life of your body, but, you know, through fasting, through getting rid of the chaos and that, you know, so yeah, I was, I would say it's health is function and, and you had to make, you made me think about that one. It was very good. <laughs> yeah. I try to pop, uh, you know, that was a little bit unexpected just to kind of see what people's mm -hmm. first assumptions are. Um, Real quick before we uh, do plugs, um, longest fast I ever did was 133 hours and I ran 12 miles and worked out every single day of the fast. And by- Water I, fast? I said, yeah, it was on water. Yeah, okay. Water, electro, water electrolytes and coffee. And then by the time I got to um, you know day five, um, I, I still wasn't hungry. It was crazy. I have pictures of before and yeah. after. It, it's, it's pretty crazy, but uh, I felt fantastic the entire time. I don't do any of that anymore just because my goals are a little bit different than they, what they yeah. once were, but I'll probably return to that eventually. But um, yeah, um, Andrew, where can everybody find you? And what else do you got going on in the near future? 
Uh, in the near future, you can. Uh, I'll be putting together a, a PowerPoint presentation, and I'm going to be giving a a, a you know a explanation of what you know why this this war in Ukraine is happening. What you know that some of the history behind it, correcting some of the record on some libertarian dogma is just not true. And we're and I'm going to be you know talking about the economic consequences of it and how fucking screwed we are. Because boy, is it going to get it's going to get bad. I'm expecting like food shortages in Q4, not necessarily in America, but definitely in the Middle East. And when there's food shortages in the Middle East, well, okay, you you know what happens there. Uh, that that was what that was how we got the Arab Spring was we had food uh, a uh, minor food shortage in you know in a few countries because russia couldn't export wheat because russia is the number one exporter of food to the middle east and when biden just cut all of that off you know by cutting them off from the u.s dollar okay well now we have now we're gonna have food shortages in the middle east and by who puts out most of the oil so we're gonna have an energy shortage too globally yeah, <laughs> and, so, uh, yeah. so and this they is hate us for stuff. freedom though right it must be their religion yeah, so, so, but yeah, and so now we're going to uh, we're going to have all of these social problems that are caused by this, and I'm going to be going into what are all of the knock-on effects of what what's going to happen from this war and how how I'm preparing for it is another thing is you know how, how I'm how I'm investing my money in order to make money off of the chaos because you know archotropism <laughs> and uh, you know how you know how am I preparing for my own uh, you know well being in my family because I have a, I have a a son that's going to be born in three months and a very very pregnant wife. And uh, how am I preparing for all of that? This will be all be in that presentation. And you can find that at, on my channel at Popular Liberty on YouTube. Uh, you can also find me on like uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Popular Liberty underscore. And, you know, that's, you know, also a great place to find me. Cool. Cool. Well, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Um, love to have you back sometime so we can kind of hit on some of the other topics we can get to hit on because I, there were a ton of stuff I want to hit on. But uh, oh, yeah. I just, uh, yeah, dude, we'll, we'll definitely do it again and uh, maybe bring in a few other people. So uh, this is a really, really cool discussion. I'm glad we got to have it. So um, if you got anything else, then go ahead and plug it. And if not, we'll get out of here. Nope, that's it. Thank you for having me on, Kyle. Of course, man. I appreciate it. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, don't forget, get your supplements. If you need any protein powders, pre-workouts, axonsledge.com. Use code Matovic10, M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K-1-0. Um, at checkout, let them know I sent you. Get a little discount. And uh, make sure you like, subscribe, um, rate me five stars if you can. It goes a long way. I really appreciate it. I never tell people to do that because I'm a friggin' idiot. And um, <laughs> until next time, everybody. Like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah. Take care, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.